Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Welcome to Spirit of Adoption Radio, where we soar above all the darkness of this world and see things in the light of God's eternal perspective. Now, here's your hosts, Kevin and Tabitha Lavelle. Everybody, shalom. We're so thankful and blessed that you would choose to join us today for episode number 102 of Spirit of Adoption Radio. I'm Kevin, and with me as always is my dear wife, Tabitha. How are you today, Svia? I'm doing great. Mm, it's always hard to see without the Lord, right? Without the light. Without the it's light. impossible to see. Yes. Without the Spirit leading mm. us to the light. That's right. Praise God. It's dust to dust till we learn how to trust. Mm. I love how he says the light shines down on us. That's right. Mm. Amen. Amen. We are made from dust. Yes, we are. We are. And on today's episode, we're actually going to continue with the teaching part number three. Mm. of God's awesome typological picture book, the final teaching that the Lord led me to give in our fellowship. Yes. And we do talk about dust a little bit. This teaching is my favorite of the three, Mm. although I loved all three of them. They were sort of like building upon each other. Mm -hmm. And this one is the culmination of all of them. And I just am, I was so blessed. Like so much of what you shared in here is resonating with me still. Of course, I got to hear it before our listeners got to get to hear it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I'm already blessed by it. So I know you're going to be blessed. So please stick around and listen yeah, all the way I'm, to the I'm end. I'm looking forward to listening too. Yes, because me too. Because it's the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. Yeah. The Bible says his anointing teaches us all things. The Holy Spirit teaches us. That's right. He's the teacher. He's the helper. He's the counselor. He's the comforter. Mm. He's the one who leads us into truth. That's right. We look to him. We don't look to man. We don't look to woman. We look to him. He teaches us his word. Mm. And so there's some beautiful things that we're going to look at in his word today. And may you be blessed as you seek the Lord and you listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. 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 So this week uh, will be the exciting conclusion of our 
study of the beginning of God's awesome typological picture book. Amen. And I hope it's been exciting so far. Uh, we should be excited about God and his word. He's, uh, he's very exciting to me. I mean, people get excited about all kinds of things, you know. I mean, fireworks are exciting, but nothing, it can't compare to the fireworks in God's word, right? And the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's exciting, right? So I think that's something the Lord's wanted us to get from this. So let's start at Genesis 1, 1 through 3, and just read that, and then we'll go from there. Uh, just to recap what we've been looking at. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Amen? So we've been seeing a lot of pictures in this that the Lord's painted, right? Hope, you, hope you've been seeing them. Uh, blessed are the eyes that see, right? The Lord tells us to let our eyes see. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. Eyes to see, let them see. Amen? So, last week we ended by looking at the, the hovering ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen? How he hovers over the unregenerate person's life, right? In that state of being unregenerated. And just as he hovered over the unregenerate state of the earth in the beginning, he had generated it, but he was going to regenerate it. So it was in that unregenerate state, just like we were before we were regenerated by the Holy Spirit, right? So that picture you see, the Holy Spirit and that ministry of conviction hovering over the world, hovering over the unregenerate person's life to bring them to that regeneration by the Holy Spirit, the washing and regeneration, right? And so many of us, have experienced that. We know what that is. Amen. So we've experienced that regeneration of the Holy Spirit, right? And we remember the hovering over before we were regenerated. I remember that. I remember when I was experiencing like this presence of like the conviction and the drawing and no one can come to me unless the father draws him, Jesus said, right? And everyone will be taught by God. Those who hear and learn will come to me, Jesus said. I remember that hovering of the Holy Spirit when I wasn't regenerated. I was tohu wabohu, you know, in that, in that, formless and void state. I, rem I remember that. Can you remember that? Can you remember that work? Yeah. Before you were regenerated, remember that work? There was some pressure. There was, some, some, there was a lot of conviction and stirring and searching. And, you know, you had that, had that happening. Remember that? And you, you became aware of it, right? There was a time where you weren't aware of it. The Lord was doing it. But then you remember when you started to become aware of it, right? And you're like, whoa, this, this is real. Something's going on. This is real. Something. God is doing something. It was that work, okay? Spirit hovering. That's, so we looked at that. We finished with that. And so today, um, we're going to conclude by going a little bit deeper, and it's going to get even more exciting. All right? Anybody ready for that? Yes. Amen. Amen. So let's turn back to 2 Corinthians 4, because uh, there's another parallel uh, that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, always, always be reminded that Paul is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's making another connection, another parallel with the, with the creation narrative that he keeps speaking about in 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. All right? So there's another parallel here. And it's in verse 7, but let's read verse 6 and 7 to kind of get it in context. Okay? So starting at verse 6. 
We've been looking at this. Everybody should know this picture right away and know where this is connected back to. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ. That's a, a face that shines pretty bright, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure of the light of Christ, right? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So Paul's obviously in verse 6, pointing back to Genesis, like we've seen, Genesis 1-3, the light shining in the darkness. Um, speaks of that light shining in our hearts. But then in verse 7, he reminds us of what we were made of. Okay? There's no coincidence here. Paul's got this narrative in mind, obviously. It's, pretty, it's very clear. Um, he's reminding us of what we're made of. And he's reminding us of what we are. Okay? What we're made of and what we are. We were made of earth. There's no coincidence that Paul's bringing this up. We were made of earth. But now, we're not just earth. We're vessels. Amen? We're not just earth. We're vessels. You were just earth and not a vessel. Because you didn't want the Lord to fill your life. Amen? You weren't a vessel of God. You didn't want the Lord to fill you. You were just tohu wabohu, earth. But now you're earthen vessels. You see? There's a, there's a difference. Amen? A vessel of honor. So that's what, that's what we were made of, and that's what we are. And so he's obviously paralleling us as earthen vessels with, going back to Genesis, with the primordial earth. Okay? He's paralleling us back again. Pointing us back there. Again. So the earth in Genesis 1-2 is a picture of us because we are actually made of dust. Okay? We're made of dust. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Okay? That's the truth. It's the truth of God's creation. Uh, we're going to find out it's even... It's even more true. It's true today. This, this is really interesting because um, we are literally made of dust. Literally. It's not figurative speech here. Literally. So the fact that, and we'll look at it a little bit, but the fact that we're made out of dust should do something for us. It, it actually should humble us. Okay? So we are animated dust. All right? Animated dust. And so when I think of that, I think that, wow, God could do some pretty amazing things with a dirt clod. Because, you know, if you think about it, dust kind of all put together and dirt kind of all put together, it would be like a, like a dirt clod. You guys ever seen a dirt clod? Yeah. Right? Big hunk. But it's not, it's not the same as a rock, right? You throw a dirt clod against something, you know what I mean? It all comes apart. It's not super duper strong, right? So, I mean, us made from dust, we're not as strong as we think we are. As awesome as we think we are. Right? Just a dirt clod. That's it. 
God loves you. You're a dirt clod, but God, and God loves you. Okay? God loves dirt clods. That we, he made, that's what we are, made of dust. Okay? So we need to be humble about that and, you know, realize that God can do some awesome things with dust. Awesome things. Because he's awesome God. Amen? So NASA, uh, the NASA Ames Research Center, um, they actually did a study. Okay? They, they do studies. They're, they're, they're not ahead of their time. You know, I mean, they're, they, they, they're playing catch up to God. Okay? The scientists. They play catch up to God. And then the Lord just allows them to, you know, play catch up. And then they think they made a discovery. They think they found something new and exciting. Right? And it turns out that they just found something God already said. But, but they make it sound a lot more scientific. Right? So they look at Genesis uh, 2, verse 7. They look at that, oh, God made Adam. And that's not very scientific. It's not, the words are not very deep, not very complicated here. So that, that must not be true. We've got to make a lot of fancy, complicated words. And we'll, we'll make it sound like, like we are God. Like we know more than God. But NASA Ames Research Center, it, it, they conducted a study where they discovered Newsflash. They discovered that human beings are actually made of dust. Wow. They actually discovered it. Can you believe it? I actually find it amazing that they would actually even want to delve into an area that might line up with the Bible. You know what I mean? But, yeah, they didn't know. They don't know. But hopefully maybe some of them, when they find out, they're like, whoa, that's what the Bible said. And God uses it to bring them to salvation, right? Um, So the dirt that makes up the crust of the earth, literally, that dirt um, is what we're made of. All right? And I just find it funny scientists are playing catch up. But this study, the NASA study, it revealed that the same 59 elements that are found in human beings are found in the clay or dust of the crust of this earth. That's what they found. Interesting. Huh. Is that interesting? Yeah. I'm glad they did find that. Right? They might find him. Right? The one who made the dust. Um, so, also what's interesting is one of the elements that they found that we are made of is phosphorus. And this, this really is a kind of the, should be like what they say, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Phosphorus. Because... Phosphorus is an element that is only found on Earth. Okay? With, exactly. So, so these fairy tales, the scientists, fairy ta- the, they tell the fairy tales that we were made from stardust. And there's aliens. And all this thing. where they, you know, it, It's foolishness, of course, right? It's a fairy tale for, for adults. That's what it is. It's a fairy tale for adults. But they they say the stardust. And so the phosphorus creates a problem because that's an element that you don't find out there. You only find it here, which is what God said. Right? He didn't make it. And so I think of that, you know, think about those who think we're made from stardust and all that and aliens. It's kind of like God is saying, no, no, no. We're made from this on earth. You better humble yourself and you better confess that this is where you came from. And you better get down here, but you're trying to get up there. You see? To think you came from stars, I mean, look at, look at what this world idolizes. 
stars. If you go to Hollywood Boulevard, we've preached there before, stars, stars on the ground. Stars all up the street, right? They got, they're starstruck. We made a tract actually called Starstruck before we took it down to Hollywood. But um, so think about that. It's exalting yourself, right? And who would lead people to exalt themselves, to think they came from stars, to think they're stars and think they're awesome? Is there another one who exalted himself? Who thinks he's a great star? And he, he thinks he's the star of the universe right now? Okay, so the stardust thing is blown up, but they might bury that away, you know. We, we, we won't go there. We, we won't look at that one. Phosphorus, uh, um, no, change the subject. We don't want to talk about, we don't want to talk about phosphorus. So anyway, that, I think that's interesting, right? So this knowledge that we have, um, we already knew it from God's word. God's word is true. We already know that because we know the author of the word. You don't need man to tell you God's word is true. If you need man to tell you God's word is true, then man can tell you it's not true, and then you'll follow man, you'll, you'll leave God. You better not listen to man. God's word is true. Do you want to know the author of the word? Once you come to know the author of the word, then you know the word's true. That's the best way to know God's word is true. Amen? That's, that's how I know the beginning. I didn't study out all these things and become a NASA scientist to know God. Right? You don't need to do that. That's not how God leads. I don't find that in the Word. I don't find Jesus saying that. Get your PhD. Become an, become an astronaut. Travel to the moon. Go to Mars. Someday you'll find me. Right? I mean, I would say that wouldn't be a God who really loves you. But, you know, you might die on the way. Don't take off your helmet. You know? You know what I mean? Because you can't breathe out there. Oh, that's a sign too, right? Can't breathe out there, by the way. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's something that we have this knowledge we need to remember. We're literally made from dust and it should cause us to walk humbly with our God. What does the word say? Do justly, love mercy, and walk pridefully with your God. That would, be, that would be the devil's twist on that verse. Walk humbly with your God. You were just dust. Amen? So that's, that's the attitude. That's the attitude that Abraham had. So he, and Abraham was called the friend of God. And he had this dust type of humility. And he's called a friend of God. Anybody want to be a friend of God? <sighs> Anybody glad that he actually wants to be your friend? Oh, man. Anybody know any superstars in this world that want to be your friend? Superstars? Steph Curry? LeBron James? Tom Brady? Any other superstars? John Travolta? John Travolta? No, they probably don't know John Travolta. <laughs> You, ever heard, you never heard of him. No. Praise God, bro. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Well, who's the other guy? Uh, Tom Cruise. I, I think I've heard of him. Okay. That's Praise God. You ever heard of Jesus? Oh, yes. Yeah. See, yeah, that's the one that wants to be our friend. That's the one. So these superstars, they don't want to be your friend. Amen. So Abraham was a friend of God, and because he was humble, right? He walked humbly. So... Uh, Genesis 18, 27 says, Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I 
who am but dust and ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. So Abraham agrees with God. He's a friend of God. He's walking humbly, right? He acknowledged that I'm just dust and I've taken it upon myself to speak to God. Why? Because God wants that relationship, right? God wants that. He wants you to speak to him. He wants you to confess your sins and and get cleansed and then develop that relationship and speak to him and he speaks to you, right? But you got to confess your dust, you know? You got to confess that that's what you're made of before God and confess that he's your maker. You didn't make yourself. It's not we who made ourselves, the Bible says. We are the sheep of his pasture, right? He is God and we aren't. So we need to remember we're made from dust. And the Lord remembers that. You know, the Lord doesn't have uh, Alzheimer's. You know what I mean? He doesn't lose his memory, right? And he hasn't forgotten who you are, each one of us. He knows. But he remembers that we are dust and we need to remember it too. Psalms 103, verse 14. For he, the Lord God, Psalm 103, 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So if he remembers we're dust, should we forget that we're dust? If he remembers, should we forget? How come he doesn't forget? (laughs) Right? Because he lives in reality, right? Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. We We need a reality check. Need a reality check. Amen? You're not a star. But you can actually become a star. Amen? If you acknowledge your dust and be humble and let the Lord lift you up. So in Daniel chapter 12 says, those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Because Jesus is the star. And we will be like him. And we will shine in his kingdom forever and ever. Amen? That's the only way you can be a star. Amen? Is acknowledging your dust, acknowledging he's a star, and you want to be like him, he'll lift you up and you'll shine forever with him. Amen? Because he's going to shine. He's coming and he's going to shine. Amen. He's coming. He's going to shine. You think God shines brighter than the brightest stars that shine in his creation? And you couldn't get close to this star that that he made to bring light on earth. I can't spend five minutes in it. (laughs) Serious, man. But imagine taking a spaceship and trying to get as close as you can. No, you couldn't. You'd burn up, right? Amen. But we can get close to God? Wow. It's only because he allows it and he wants it. Amen? So it's encouraging to know that God is mindful of our frame. That encourages me. Does that encourage you? It's encouraging to know that he remembers we're dust. That that he he knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're needy. He knows that what we came from. He understands that. Cares about us. He loves us. He doesn't forget that and expect more from us than, than, than we could possibly do. Okay? So be encouraged with that. He remembers. Knows our frame. Isaiah 60... And you know, the thing is, we're weak and needy. We are. The Apostle Paul said that he was weak. I look at the Apostle Paul as like like a giant in the Lord. Apostle Paul said he was weak. Amen? I think he remembered that he came from dust. I mean, he's like a spiritual giant, like... I mean, I would say, he, compared to us, I would say, right? Okay. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. 
And you are our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? As dust, as a dirt cloud. Isn't that beautiful to think? I mean, what can God do with a dirt cloud in his hand? Whew. Right? What can he do with it? So that's a beautiful verse. Isaiah 64, verse 8. So God made us of clay, but he's not done with us. Amen? He wants to fashion and make us into vessels, right? Not just earth, but earthen vessels, right? He wants to fashion and make us into that. So when you're feeling some pressure, you're feeling some circumstances, okay? Um, When they come upon you, just know that he is the potter. Amen? And you are in his hand. Just know that. All right? Just know that. If you are in his hand. If you're not, get in his hand. Amen? And you're on the potter's wheel. He's fashioning and forming you into the image of his son, like we looked at a little bit last time. We're going to look at a little something that relates to that, though, related to this Genesis narrative. Um, And also, pottery, remember, um, we actually have a ministry that we have served uh, called Potter's Field. And the husband, he he does pottery. And he, and he teaches as he makes, he's a potter. He makes this beautiful pottery from lumps of clay. His wife sings beautiful songs while he's doing it. And uh, we actually have served them with Adoption Airfare. And the pottery, it also has to go through the fire to finish it. It, it does go through the fire. It goes in the kiln, okay, in order to finish it. And so that's something that God allows us to go through the fire, Right? And what did Job say? After I've been tried, I'll come forth as gold. It's like tried by fire. And you come forth as gold. Amen? That's what's going to happen to us. We stay in his hands. We stay there. So, he's not finished with us. There's a work on the potter's wheel. And that kind of also relates to Genesis and, and what Paul is saying here. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4. And continue looking at this picture of us as the dust or the clay that he's fashioning, just as the primordial earth was a lump of clay before he transformed it, right? Let's see what Paul says. After describing us as earthen vessels, we saw in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he describes us as these earthen vessels being made by the potter. Let's see what he says after that that relates to this work of God, okay? So I'll read verse 7 again. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's like we're the earth, pointing back to Genesis. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body these earthen, these earthen vessels that we have, right? always carrying about us in in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Remember, we're the earthen vessel. The light of Christ is in us, right? And then we're on that potter's wheel. He's doing that work. Trials, circumstances, pressures, persecutions, everything like that, so that the light that's within us will shine brighter. Do you see the picture there? That's how he's connecting it here. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh or in this earthen vessel. This treasure that's in us might be manifested in this earthen vessel, which is us. Amen? 
That's God's desire. So that's the picture. He's connecting it here. And it's a beautiful connection back to Genesis with that lump of clay, that unregenerate state. The light shines, starts being formed, right? Beautiful things start coming out of it, being manifested. You see in Genesis, see the connection to Genesis chapter one? That's the connection here. It's so awesome. So he's reminding us that we're earthen vessels of clay on the potter's wheel. And God is using these trials to make us shine the light and the life of Christ. And he's at work in it all, and he's, he's with us in it all. Just like the potter on the potter's wheel is the potter with the clay as it's spinning, and it's being cut, and it's being pressed. Is the potter with it? Is he with the clay while all that's happening? Amen. He's with us while that's happening in our life. Amen. He's with us, just as the potter's with the clay. Okay? So, and, he, and he won't give us more than we can handle. That's true. That's a true statement. For a child of God, he won't, he's not going to give us more than we can handle. Uh, we know 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but with the temptation, he will make the way of escape that we might be able to bear it. On the potter's wheel, spinning, pressures, things are happening. God's doing that because he's forming. He's not going to cause things to happen that's more than we can handle. He remembers, remember, he remembers that we are what? Dust. And we're all different. We're all different types of dirt clods made out of the same substance, but he remembers, he remembers that, okay, when he's working on us. So we don't lose heart, amen? But what's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Greek word for temptation there is parosmos, and that word can be translated trial, not just temptation. So when you see temptation there, you need to understand that that word, the translators could have very well translated it trial. He will not allow you to be to face a trial more than you can bear. Okay? Not just temptation, but every temptation is a trial, and a trial is a temptation too. can be a temptation too. But that word, just know, those trials, that's, that's also being spoken of there. All right? So, hope you can see that work there in, in 2 Corinthians 4. So, and then if we go a little further in 2 Corinthians 4, down to verse 16, Paul's admonishing us to not lose heart as God is allowing these things to fashion and form us into the new creation that brings him the most glory, right? Because he's fashioning and forming us into this new creation that brings him glory, right? So he's encouraging us not to lose heart. Verse 16, therefore, since you understand you're this earthen vessel that he's working on, therefore, we do not lose heart. We're on the potter's wheel. Don't lose heart. Amen? I admonish myself not to lose heart. Don't lose heart. Just know you're on the potter's wheel. Amen? Things might be spinning fast. Right? You might feel like you're going to fall off, but he's going to hold you on. Amen? You keep holding on to him. You say, I want to stay on the potter's wheel. Lord, I'm spinning. This is really difficult, but I'm on the potter. You're my potter. On the work of your hands. Amen? Keep me on the potter. Keep me. I want to be with you. Right? That's different than saying, I'm done with you. I'm jumping off. Okay? That's it. Don't do that. So he's encouraging us. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, this earthen vessel, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The treasure that's in us is greater than these earthen vessels. Amen? Your spirit is more important than your body. Amen? That's why the Lord said, you must be born again. You must, you must have a spiritual birth. Stop living for the body. You know, God wants to turn things right side up. Body, soul, and spirit right? He wants you to live the spirit uppermost, the body down here in the basement. Amen? So the spirit. So 
That's what he's doing. He's renewing us day by day. Isn't that interesting? In 2 Corinthians 4, as Paul in 3, 4, and 5, Paul's talking about this Genesis narrative. He says, your earthen body, you know this, you're, you're, you're perishing, right? These bodies are going to go back to the dust. From dust you were formed, going back to the dust. Unless you're here when Jesus returns, then you'll be changed. In the moment, in twinkling of an eye. And this mortal, earthen vessel, put on immortality. Amen? Someone's going to experience that. Maybe, maybe someone here. Amen? But other than that, we're going to go back to the dust, right? And so what he's doing now is he's renewing us day by day. Day by day, right? There's a hymn. Day by day, with each passing moment. Amen. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Amen. So I think, I think it's amazing that Paul says we're being renewed week by week, month by month, year by year, day by day. And Paul says we're being renewed day by day here. And it's exactly what God said was happening back in Genesis chapter 1. Think of that primordial earth, right? Spirit hovering. Light, shine. God broke it down and did new things week by week. Was there renewal and was there new things day by day that happened in the creation week? Which pictures us. See, Paul's point. That's another parallel right there. You see? He's renewing us day by day. Made from the earth. Light shines. New things happening. He does that day by day. That's why he tells us, pick up your cross Daily. Be renewed day by day because that Genesis picture is a picture of us. Amen? And you see powerful things happen there in those days of creation, don't you? Powerful renewal, right? Powerfully new. And that's what God wants to do in us. You see? You see the connection there? I just think it's awesome, you know, day by day. And uh, it's important to remember that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Okay? It's important. In these earthen, weak vessels of what we are, okay? The Lord, you know, he, he doesn't want us to be wise in our own eyes. He doesn't want us to be strong in our own strength. You know what I mean? He wants us to be weak before him. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Amen? With the strength of the Lord, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27 to 31 says, God takes the weak things, right, of this world to... Shame the mighty. Isn't that awesome? He, he takes like a Johnny Erickson Tata, right? She's on the potter's wheel. She's a quadriplegic. She paints pictures with her teeth now for the glory of God. And she has the joy of the Lord in that wheelchair for 40 years. That's supernatural. That's the Lord renewing her, even though her outward earthen vessel is perishing. She's being renewed day by day. Powerful new things are happening in her life, and you see the joy of the Lord coming out of her. And then you look at that, and you're like, wow. You give glory to God for that. Okay? There's so many other examples of that, where God takes the weak things, and he confounds the mighty. You know, those who acknowledge their dust, and they let the Lord do mighty things with them as opposed to those who don't acknowledge their dust and they think they're stars. They think they're mighty. They, they exalt themselves, right? That gives no glory to God. Amen? But someone like Johnny Erickson Tata, that brings glory to God. Amen? 
then that's what God does with us too. So the reason he takes the weak things to shame the mighty in, in that, and I, I'm not actually opened up to that passage, but 1 Corinthians 1 is it says that no one will glory in his sight, that no flesh will glory in his sight. That's why he does it. That's why we have to remember we have the treasure in earthen vessels. So that way we won't glory. We won't get any glory. Amen? Take no glory for it <laughs> when you remember that you're, you're a dirt clod that God loves and is making you, fashioning and forming you into what he wants you to be and that you have the treasure inside of you, which is not of you. It's not of us, right? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Christ came inside of us. He didn't originate in us. See, we aren't little gods. Like in the New Age, they think that you, know, that you have the Christ consciousness and you're a little God, you're a little Christ, and you're, you know, that's, that's the devil's lie. Okay? So, we're these earthen and the treasure has come inside of us. Amen? So, the reason why it's, we need to remember is, is because in, in 2 Corinthians 4, um, it says that the excellence, the reason why we have this treasure in these earthen vessels, is that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Right? And so we're commanded to open up and let the light that's in our earthen vessels shine. That's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to do that. Shine out so that others can see it. And so, just as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that others can read us as living epistles. It's just like, you know, you can't read it unless it's opened up, right? Like I say, read that. You can't read it. But if I come up to you and I open it up, and I say, now, okay, now read that. And that's, that's what we're supposed to be. Open up. Amen? And let the light shine forth. And as living epistles, and who gets the glory for that? Yeah, who gets, he gets the glory for that, right? Our Father. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, the Lord says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? So we have this treasure in us in earthen vessels, that the glory might be, the power and the glory might be of God, not of us. Amen? So don't be upset. It's, you know, I know we have weaknesses in these bodies and things that we carry around. Okay? But don't, don't, don't let that get you down. Let's not let that get, get us down. Amen? We have the treasure inside these earthen vessels. Amen? We have the treasure. So the Lord wants people to see the good works that he can do with earthen vessels. Right? Let your light so shine that they'll see the good works. Glorify your Father in heaven. So he wants people to see the good works that he can do with these weak earthen vessels. Amen? Uh, we were once, these weak earthen vessels who were once formless and void and empty and in darkness. Right? Just like, just like everyone else was. Just like, just like others. The Lord wants to show us off like that. Okay? The trophies of his grace. Amen? And that's why Jesus said to let your light so shine among men. That they might see the glory of God in you. In your earthen vessel. In your weak state. Your dust. That, that God has made into something now. Right? And that's what we testify. That's what we, that's what we, that's what we tell people. Right? Because that's the state that they're in. They know, their, they know their weakness and they just haven't confessed it. Right? They just haven't confessed it before God. And we have, and we've allowed the Lord to use it. So, and the Lord wants them to see that good work. And hopefully, the best way they can give glory to God is by 
coming out of darkness themselves, right? And become, letting the treasure come inside them. But they've got to see it in us. They've got to see that in us. Amen? So that's why the Lord tells let it, let it shine. Let it shine. But it shines through these weak vessels. Amen? Amen. So that's why it's good, you know, when we're preaching to, to really have that in mind. I got to keep that in mind. We got to keep that in mind. We got to remember, remember that we are but dust. God remembers that, you know, what God's done with us. And that, that gives us compassion for others, you know. So this brings us to the, the last thing that we're going to look at um, in this study of the beginning of God's awesome typological picture book. So coming to the, to the last part, this is, this is really awesome here. And we're going to look at the light in Genesis 1, verse 3. Okay? We're going to look at that. So the Lord said in John 16, 14, and in John 15, 26, that when the Holy Spirit comes, now go back to Genesis. Remember, the Spirit's hovering. Okay, something's happened before the light comes, right? Spirit's hovering over that darkness, that clay. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he would glorify him and only speak of him. That's what Jesus said. Okay, in John 16, 14, 15, 26. That's what the Holy Spirit would do in that ministry of hovering. Conviction and glorify Jesus and speak of Jesus. Okay, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And only of him. So Jesus is the light of the world, right? So when the, when the Holy Spirit comes, is he going to point to the light? Because the Holy Spirit's going to glorify who? The light of the world. The Holy Spirit's going to speak of only who? The light of the world. Okay, remember back in Genesis, Spirit's hovering before the light comes. Okay, and then in the New Testament, Jesus says this. Spirit's going to come, and the Spirit's going to speak of me, convict of sin, right? And glorify me. And he's the light. All right? So that's why we, you know, we see in Genesis the Spirit hovering over the earth before the light comes. You don't see it because this is a picture of something, right? You don't see the Spirit, the light coming, and then the Spirit hovering. Okay? You see the Spirit working, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that's what happens, right? In people's lives. The ministry of the Holy Spirit comes to point them to Jesus. Okay? So that's what's happening as a picture here in Genesis. So it's a picture of the Spirit's work in our lives to bring us to the light. So in Genesis 1-3, what we see is an awesome picture of Jesus, the light of the world. Okay, in Genesis 1-3, when it says, let there be light, it's a picture of Christ. Okay, it's a type of Messiah. It's a type of Yeshua, a type of Jesus. And uh, it's, I should, I should say it's, it's at least a picture of him. Okay, in Genesis 1-3, it's at least a picture of him. It's at least just a picture. It might be even more. Because um, when were the sun, moon, stars made? What day? Day four. So here you have light, Genesis 1-3, in the primordial state before the regeneration of what God generated, right? To show a picture of us. But the light comes after the spirits at work, you see? So we know that it's not the sun, moon, and stars. We know it's not those lights. We know it's not the lights of creation that he made in the days of creation. But it's light. Let the light come. And so... That's why I say in Genesis 1-3, it's, it's at least a picture of Jesus, but it might be more. Because um, these other things weren't created until day four. It could actually be the Son of God in Genesis 1-3. It could actually be the Son of God. Okay? When you see that. It's at least a picture of him, but 
could actually be him. And um, if you think about it, even though the, the sun and the moon and the stars weren't created yet, the light still came upon that unregenerate earth. Now think about your life. Think about your life. There was nothing else around you or anywhere in this world that could bring light into your darkness. There was nothing else in creation and, and there was nothing else that could enlighten your darkness. Nothing else. Only the light of the world. Only Jesus brought that light into your life. Amen? There was nothing else available. You could, you could look for it here and there and here and there, but it, it just left darkness. Satan's like trying to get you to go to something else, some false light, and then it just leaves you in darkness. Right? There was nothing else. So that's what happened in our lives, just like in Genesis 1. All right? So we were in total darkness before the light came. And uh, so, th so there's no doubt that the light on day one of creation was a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's turn to John chapter 1. And let's, let's see, look at John chapter 1, because it actually proves that he's at least, that Jesus is at least the, the source of the light on day one of creation. At least the source of it. It could be actually be him. But he's at least the source of it. So John 1, starting in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God the Father. The Word is Jesus, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. What are we looking at in Genesis 1? In the beginning, right? God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the, what? Light of men. The life was a light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. So the light shines in the darkness. Where, does that sound familiar? Does that, does that sound like Genesis 1, 1 through 3? Or 1 3? Was the darkness on the face of the deep spirit? The light shine in the darkness? That's, does that sound like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4? The God who commanded light to shine in the darkness has shown in our hearts to, to give us the knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus? Sound familiar? So, this is, this is a day one here. You know, the light that shines in the darkness. Genesis 1-3. And it says the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay? And what's interesting is that word comprehend there, that word actually could be translated uh, as overcome. Okay? That, to me, that helps me understand it a little bit better. And the darkness did not overcome the light. So, think about it. In Genesis 1-2, darkness, did it overcome the light? When God said, let there be light, did the darkness overcome the light? What did the light do to the darkness? The darkness was overcome by the light. Amen? So here in John 1, when, when you see it and, the, and the darkness did not comprehend it, it also could mean the darkness did not overcome it. Amen? Just like when Jesus' light world came into this world, it's a very dark place, right? Did the darkness overcome him? No. Did he overcome the darkness? Genesis 1. Darkness, light comes, light overcomes the darkness. Turn the light on, same thing with us. We are children of light. Walk as children of light. We let our light shine, we overcome the darkness. Darkness won't overcome us. 
Amen? In Christ. So, beautiful pictures here. Um, that's that's picture of our life. So, if we keep reading, okay, in John chapter 1, we'll, we'll, we'll keep reading here. Um, but there's something interesting in, in John chapter 1. There's a total of seven times that the word light is used in John chapter 1. Seven times. And can anyone tell me what the number of perfection is in the Bible? Now, can you say it in Hebrew? Sheva. Sheva. So, in John 1, there are seven times that the word light is used. Seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. So, seven times in John 1, obviously, it's pointing back to Genesis here. You see the connection, right? What kind of light is Jesus? Seven is the number of perfection. Seven times, perfect light. He's the perfect light of the world, right? In him is light. There's no darkness, right? Can any of us say that there's never been any darkness in us? I know I can. I can. Can Jesus say that? No darkness has ever been in him. The perfect light of the world, right? We're abiding in him. Then we shine and we walk as he walked. We shine as he shined. We can be perfect in Christ. Amen? Amen? But remember... That the power is of him, not of us. The light of Christ's treasure in us, it's of him and not of us. In in us, we're not going to shine perfectly. There's no way. It's impossible. Right? But what's impossible for men is possible with God. With God in you, is it possible? That's encouraging to me. So, I just just thought that's interesting. There's seven times light's used in John 1. Referring back to Genesis, right? Perfect light. Alright? So let's continue. Verse 6 in John chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, the perfect light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Isn't that awesome? The light of your conscience. Just think about that. Every person coming in the world. The Bible says he's put eternity in our hearts. Okay? We're made for him. There's, there's a knowledge that everyone has. Okay? God wants everybody. That's a, that's a beautiful verse that actually kind of blows away Calvinism right there. So, as we look at this, we see, we see a picture definitely going on here. Um, going back to Genesis. The light of the world. But um, there's something else that's, that's really... Fascinating to notice here in Genesis in Genesis one three. Uh, in Genesis one three, related to the light, just think about this. It's the first time that God speaks. Okay, Genesis one three, the first time He speaks. Okay, when He says, "Let there be light," God is, God is speaking the word. the word. Okay, so in John one, who is the word? Jesus. The word became flesh. Right. You see what I'm saying? So in, in Genesis 1-3, the light comes. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. That's Jesus. Who's the word that became flesh? Jesus. Jesus, right? And so here you see the very first time that God speaks, he speaks the word, and it's a picture of Jesus. And he is the word that became flesh. He is the message from the Father. Actually, all through the New Testament, you have Jesus saying over and over again, the Father sent me. The Father sent me. The Father. 
See, Jesus is the word of the who? Father. In Genesis 1-3, who is speaking, let there be light? The Father. Is that pretty awesome? That's amazing. That's awesome, man. God's word is awesome. I mean, there's, there's so many layers and connections here in God's word that we haven't even discovered. You know what I mean? But we want to be mining God's word. Treasure his word. Treasure it. You know, that's the whole point of this, this teaching series is that we would treasure his word, be excited about God and his word. Amen? So that's pretty awesome. We see uh, the word and the light at the same time. The word and the light. That's Jesus. Okay? Same time. It's no coincidence. It's no coincidence is in God's word. Amen? That is inspired by the Holy Spirit to show us Jesus as the word and the light. Spoken by the Father. So that's amazing to me. Um, I just praise the Lord for that. <laughs> praise God. Uh, so now, now look, here, here's a verse. Look, turn to Psalm 33. Thinking of that, let's look at Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verse 6. Check this out. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Amen. So John 1, remember? The word was with God. The word was God. All things came into being by the word. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Amen. The word of the Lord. Breath of his mouth, God spoke the word. Amen? That's what you see right there. Okay, so in John 1.14, the Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus. He's the Word of the Father. Okay, we, we saw that. Father sent Jesus, who's the Word. So the Lord's amazing. Uh, we see this amazing picture painted in Genesis 1, 1-3. Okay, so believe it or not, there's more. Something even more exciting. Okay, there's more connections here. Um, when the Lord returns, okay, when Jesus returns, uh, the world is going to be absolutely dark, incredibly dark, this world, okay? It's, gonna, it's getting darker right now, right? But when the Lord comes, it's going to be absolutely dark. The Bible says the sun and the moon will not give their light. The sun and the moon will not give its light. And Isaiah says the stars will cease to shine. Now, now just, just think about that. Sun and the moon, no light. Stars, no shine. In Revelation, it says that there will be darkness on the beast kingdom, and it'll actually be a darkness that could be felt. And that, that points back to the kingdom of Egypt, Pharaoh's kingdom. When God brought darkness upon Pharaoh's kingdom, it says that it was a darkness that could be felt. Now, is that pretty dark? Is that, is that, I mean, this world's dark right now, but are, are anyone experiencing that right now? No. So it's going to get darker. So just get, get that picture in your mind. When, when the Lord returns, this darkness is going to be upon this world. That level of darkness. Okay? It's going to be the darkest that the earth has been since when? Creation. The primordial earth. That's how dark, that's right. It's never going to be as, it's never been as dark as it's going to be before the Lord returns. Except in that painting that the Lord was picturing. That darkness. That was darkness. Okay? 
So that's that's something just an awesome awesome thing to think about here. Um, and that was that was total darkness. It's going to be dark like that when the light of the world returns. Okay, and when he returns, uh, what does it say he's going to come as? Light, lightning flashing from the east to the west. Is lightning pretty bright? How about, how about standing out there in a, in, in a lightning storm and, and having a lightning bolt strike right next to you? Will, will that... You got to put some, some glasses on for that? Okay, pretty bright, right? So let's look at Second Peter. That's what it's going to be like when he returns. It's going to be dark, 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 dark as it's ever been. Second Peter chapter 1. Starting at verse 17 says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain, Mount Hermon. This is the transfiguration. Happened on Mount Hermon. Okay. Pretty awesome because this happened after Jesus took his disciples to the gates of hell. Very dark, dark place there at the base of Mount Hermon. Goes up to Mount Hermon, which was a pagan high place. All kinds of wicked occultic practices were... Darkness was practiced on that mountain, Mount Hermon. Darkness, wicked occultic practices. Goes up there, shows a picture of the transfiguration. Okay? Which is a picture of his second coming. So here he says... uh, And so, verse 19, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So here we have a picture of the day that's going to dawn. I mean, when the Lord returns, that's what it's a picture of when he's he's showing himself. And and what what did Jesus picture himself as when he was on that mountain? Bright light, right? Brilliant white, bright light, okay? So it's a picture of when he's going to come and he's going to shine in this dark world. You see what I mean? Just like in Genesis 1-3, the light shine in the dark world. When, jo- when the Lord returns, light's going to shine like that. That's what he's speaking to his disciples about. But he also speaks about the morning star in, rising in your hearts. You see what I mean? So Genesis 1, 1-3 is a picture of what the Lord wants to happen in our hearts. But then at the end, when the Lord returns, right? He's also picturing that, right? When he returns as light, that's what he wants to happen in, in the hearts of people then too. You see? So from, he's, and, he, and he is the beginning and the end. So you, you see the light in the beginning, Genesis 1, you see the light at the end, right? He's the beginning and the end. Light of the world from beginning to end. So it's just, it's just an awesome, awesome connection here in God's word that he's revealed to us. Um, so awesome. So... He's the day star. That's what the Bible calls him, the day star. And uh, praise God, we're going to have eternal day. There's a song, no more night, no more tears, right? No more crying. You know that song? Praise God, it's going to be eternal day. And the Bible says we are children of the day. We're not children of the night. No more sun <laughs> yeah, that's right. Amen, bro. <laughs> so this picture of the Lord's returning, it's, it's really interesting. 
uh, I'd say. Think it's a coincidence? The beginning and the end? L darkness, light, light? No coincidence, right? Um, so we can see awesome things. We've seen a lot of awesome things about the light. Uh, but we all have a choice to make concerning this light. Is that right? We all have a choice to make. Turn to John chapter 12. And I, I think that this is a beautiful passage because the Lord actually um, speaks to us about this choice we have concerning the light. We can see all these awesome things that God has shown us in his word about the light. Well, we need to do something. We got to do something with the light. John chapter 12, verse 32. The Lord says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. That's on the cross. This he said, signifying what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So here the Lord is giving us a command to walk in the light, right? He's commanding us and to believe in the light and become children of light while we still can, right? Is the Lord saying that to each one of us? He is. And remember in John 1.5, it says, and the darkness did not overcome, did not overtake the light. Remember that? Did not comprehend, could be overtake or overcome. So the darkness didn't overcome the light. But what does the Lord say here in John 12? He says, if you don't walk in the light, then the darkness will overtake you. That's what he's saying. If you don't do something about this, then the darkness will overcome you. So this is a serious warning. This is a warning. You need to do something with the light while you have the light. So the darkness doesn't overtake you. And what does the Lord say? One picture of what Gehenna is going to be like? Outer darkness? Outer darkness. So this is a serious warning by the creator of the universe. Serious warning to us. And I wouldn't be faithful if I didn't give the warnings of God. I wouldn't be a child of light if I, didn't give, if I didn't shine the light of God's warnings in the darkness. Because that's what the Lord did. He says, this world hates me because I tell it that its deeds are evil. I, I wouldn't be a faithful minister if I didn't shine that light. So it's in love. Uh, but there's a warning here. And so you have a choice to become a child of light or stay in darkness. And the darkness will overtake you because you're not the light of the world. And you're not going to overtake the darkness. It will overtake you. It's just a matter of time. You're not surfing on the darkness, okay? You're not going to ride this, ride this darkness all the way into your imaginary kingdom. It's going to overtake you. And take you down. So it's going to do. It's kind of like you got the warnings of the, what is it, like the, the undertow? Sometimes when you're at the beach. You're seeing that there's warnings, like you've probably seen that, Carissa. Sometimes they have warnings. Sometimes it's strong. And you're a fool if you just you see the strongest warnings and you just say, ah, and you just run in there. I'm gonna overtake it. I'm gonna overtake that. 
and people without the Lord don't do that. So let's be wise about God. Amen? If you can't, if you can't overtake the undertow, then you're not going to overtake God. Amen? You're not. There's no way. And so this is a sober warning here. So there's one more really powerful connection with Jesus and the light in Genesis 1. Okay? So the light comes in Genesis 1 on which day? Day 1. Day 1. First day of the creation week. Amen? So have you, have you ever heard of the Shroud of Turin? You heard of that? Okay. Um, we're not going to go into a lot of evidences of the Shroud of Turin, that, but there is some real, actual, I mean, it's super fast, fascinating. Real science done with this thing that it, and evidences that it very well could be the burial cloth of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Real scientific things that have been done. Um, and I'm not saying 100% that it's Jesus, but what I will say is from my research is it's a crucified man from, from all the study that I've done. It's a crucified man that was buried in a burial cloth. That's, that's something. Because they, they didn't bury everybody in burial cloths. They would dump them in Gehenna, bury them in Gehenna. People too, criminals especially, criminals. That was a criminal death that he died. They didn't, they didn't like value criminals. Let's go, let's go make sure that it's in a burial cloth and put this criminal and take care of this criminal and take good care of him, of his body. They didn't do that with criminals, okay? Somehow this man was buried in a burial cloth. The image that's on it, it's only, it, it doesn't go down into the, the fibers of, the, of the, the, the weaves. It's only on the very top. Yeah. And it's on the very bottom. And it's, it's pretty amazing. So the scientists, they, have, they don't have an explanation. They say the only thing that could create that would be a super burst of radiation. And these are scientists that, they're, they're, they're not scientists that are just trying to, you know, want to support the Bible. But they're just saying... These are scientists from, from Jet Propulsion Laboratory and different places that, you know, they're, they're just, they're being honest. And they're saying, there's nothing that, that we could, that man could have done, especially in the medieval time, to create this image on here. And it wasn't something that was done by paint or anything put on there. It was something that was burst through. So they were able to take a little piece, okay, and and hit it with, the, with this laser, with this, this, this light, on a small piece, and they had to really hit it. And they have to make sure that it's not so powerful that it would go all the way, burn, burn like all the way through. Like this, this impression is only on the very top layer, and the very bottom, it doesn't go all the way through. So it's like something that, it's like you can't, and they didn't have technology in the medieval times to do any of this, okay? They didn't have technology to do this, okay? It's not like some forgery, some guy can't run in lasers and designing this thing, you know? And so they were able to kind of recreate that, but only on a little tiny section, all right? And so here's, here's something interesting. They say that the scientists who studied this impression on there, um, in order for it to make this impression, it would have to be a burst of radiation 
And the radiation, th these are their words, you can look it up for yourself. Um, it would have to be several billion watts of power to create this image. Wow. Several billion watts of power in a nanosecond. In a nanosecond, because otherwise it would burn all the way through. Because they've recreated this in the scientific realm to, to try to recreate this type of impression on her. And that's what they're saying. In a nanosecond, several billion watts of power bursting through this, this, this cloth. And they have no explanation for it. So I'm just saying, and, and here's a, here, anyone remember the Lebanon explosion in the port of Lebanon? Yeah. I think it happened like last year. Remember that explosion? Yeah. They're saying this, in order for this to happen, it would be the equivalent of that in a nanosecond, that explosion happening. That's what, that would be the equivalent of what would have, have to happen through that, through that burial cloth, cloth in order to create that impression. It's scientifically, they don't, they, they're not saying, oh, this, this is Jesus, but they have no explanation whatsoever. Very interesting. So many more things, but anyway, I just, my main point was about the, the power, the power that has to go through. Now, just think about, I, I, know, I know of a power. How about the power of the resurrection? The power of the resurrection, right? So when, when the Lord rose from the dead, do you think there was power? Probably <laughs> um, there was some energy. Do you think there was a burst of energy? Maybe. Um, I think it's called the power of the resurrection. Besides the shroud. Besides, I'm just talking talking about when the Lord rose from the dead. Okay. So the light shined. Remember, out of darkness. Was that tomb dark? Was that a dark tomb? And he shines out of the darkness. Right. So do you think there was any light that shined out of the darkness in that tomb? Absolutely. And, and I, I, I believe 100% there was because there was an angel. Remember an angel came, rolled away a stone? Um, Matthew 28, it says he descended from heaven, um, rolled away a stone and sat on it. Verse 3, it says his countenance, this angel, his countenance was like lightning. That's just an angel though. That's not the son of God. Son of God's in the tomb, right? But the, the angel who came, it says his countenance was like lightning. That's some, that's some bright light, right? And his clothing as white as snow. That's what Jesus was looking like at the transfiguration, right? Remember, light of the world is in this tomb. So, and, and the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. I think all of us would have became like dead men. Amen? So that, that's some powerful light. But does anyone here think that an angel is going to outshine the Son of God? An angel's not going to outshine the Son of God, right? The angel's not rising from the dead. So the light of the world is going to outshine an angel. Um, so there was definitely light shining out of the darkness of that tomb. So now here's, I'm going to, conclu I'm going to close with this. This is, this is going to connect back to Genesis now, kind of tie up this, this study. Um, radical connection between the resurrection of Christ, who's the light of the world, and the light that shined out of darkness on the first day of creation. Day one, right? Okay, so that light shined on day one of creation. What day of the week did the light of the world come out of the darkness of that tomb? What day? First day of the week. Day one. 
That's when the light shined out of the darkness, the resurrection power, okay? The light of the world. He came out of the tomb on the first day. The first day. When did the light shine in the darkness in the primordial earth? Which day? It's Jesus, the light of the world. Amen? He is our light and he is our salvation. Amen? So, is he awesome? Amen? And we just praise him. Thank you, Lord God. You are our light and our salvation. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, that's all I have. And uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, that was a meal. That was a meal for me. I feel full and encouraged and zeal of the Lord. Be encouraged if you're a child of light, you know. Be encouraged about that. Walk as children of light. Let your light shine. Amen. That uh, this was all done for us. Right? This all was done for us. All of this was done for us. For us to know. For us to experience. Right? For us to know. Just like we're digging in. We're knowing that we're, we're... It was all done for us to know Him. All of these beautiful things that God has done. It's, it's done for you. For you to know Him. Is that awesome? Wow. This teaching was really blessing me even afterwards, like I said at the beginning, just in so many ways. Uh, This week I was doing my dishes and I was sort of getting overwhelmed at what the next day was going to hold. And in that moment of overwhelm, I said to the Lord, I was like, you know what, Lord, you can do amazing things with a lump of dust. Mm Mm-hmm how much more can you organize my day for me that I'm stressing about? And I don't need to stress about it because you tell me not to worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. And, you know, let you lead me to not worry and let you lead me to victory tomorrow. And I'm going to just trust you with my tomorrow, the tomorrow that I'm nervous about or anxious about or whatever it is. I'm going to trust you with that tomorrow. And I'm going to trust that if you can do amazing, miraculous things like make a human being out of a lump of clay, then you can help me tomorrow with everything I have on my plate, like everything on my plate, no matter if it feels like 10 plates. Amen. I don't care. That's you right. can do it, Lord. <laughs> That's right. Because you've already seen him do it with you. Yes. Right? Because he, you allowed him to make you into a vessel of honor. Yes. It's a yielding, you know, mm-hmm. a yielding, yielding to the spirit, to the spirit. Right. Letting Galatians chapter him, five. Yeah. Just being humble and being like, Lord, yeah, I'm a lump of clay. And uh, I'm a clod of dirt, mm. but I think about that one song, mm-hmm. or is it a poem by um, where she says, "Let me not Amy sink, Amy Carmichael. Let yeah. me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God." Wow, the flame of God—that's the light. That's right. <laughs> that poem is very beautiful. If you look it up, Amy Carmichael. Amen. Flame of God, I think it's called. Yeah, he doesn't want us to just be a, a clod, a dirt clod. Mm. He wants to fashion us into a vessel that is able to hold the light yes. inside, right? Mm. Who is Christ, as we saw. Yes, He's the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. Mm. So we're to shine all the time. We're not just waiting for the Lord to come and shine light. We're to shine light and prepare people for the light that's coming. That's right. And then in his kingdom, there's no, dark, there's no more darkness. Yes, We sang that right. song on Sunday. Mm. No more night. No more crying. No more crying again. That's right. Yes. Whoa, whoa. Amen. <laughs> Look up that song, No More Night by David Phelps. Yes, definitely. Right? That'll stir you up if you listen to that song, huh? Mm. Oh, he sings it so much better than I do. Please <sighs> listen to him sing it. <laughs> no more night. 
David Phelps. Mm. You'll be blessed if you do. If yeah. you want to be blessed, listen to it. Please. If you don't want to be blessed, don't listen to it. Yeah, go find right. it. Amen. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He has everything under control. So look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen? Amen. Amen. And may the Lord bless you as you let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Adoption Radio. You can reach us through our website, adoptionairfare.com. Also, please subscribe and leave us a review on the listening platform of your choice. Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Maranatha. Maranatha.